Holistic Finance, where we promote financial balance and financial health. Our mission is to simplify your finances so you can focus on your practice and enjoy life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holistic Finance. I am your host, Ryan Burklow. With me, as always, my co-host, Alex, my dad's not named Phil Collins. <laughs> uh, this is very true. His name is Brad, and I got asked that question a lot, especially after moving. So we're showing our age a little bit in terms of uh, who that person music- musically could be. Uh, for those of you who don't know, you can maybe go look up you know, him on Amazon Music. So <laughs> <laughs> moving on, uh, you know, today's conversation we thought we'd talk about specific to graduating NDs. You know, now that you've graduated and you're looking at starting a practice, now what? Yeah, exactly. The the first thing that you need to make be able to do whether you're joining a practice or whether you're starting your own is be able to market. Which is the hardest thing for most I'm assuming most NDs to do because let's just face it, they went to school on how to be to learn to be a doctor and how to diagnose and how to help their patients, they didn't go there and um, to learn how to market themselves. Yeah, uh, yes, that is one of the more challenging challenging things that we've had conversations with uh, with doctors about is is how to actually go out and hold yourself out to the public, how to get people to come in. And for some people, it's normal and natural. For other people. Boy, it's kind of like pulling teeth to, to do that. Yeah, and there is there's a decent failure rate out there for starting NDs, starting their own practice. And the number one reason that they probably fail is the aspect of they don't have patience. Yeah, hard to have a practice without patience. And so, and this is it's such a interesting dichotomy because I've never met an ND that didn't enter that industry who didn't just love working with patients and helping people yet to actually get where they want to be and have a practice where they're helping a ton of people, they kind of have to go into, I hate to use the word sales mode, but you do, you have to sell yourself as to why patients should come see you and they have to know you exist, right? You can't just open up your doors and magically there's a line outside. Boy, if it were just that easy, right? Uh, and at the same time, the, the most successful folks that we found just have that natural charisma and that desire and willingness to, to help patients and help people in general just comes out naturally. And those are the, the, those are the folks that we find that have massive amounts of early success. Well, and the business savviness of understanding you got to have a marketing plan. And I hate that terminology because marketing plan is so overly used. It's more of the activity and, and Alex is laughing at me. You know, we, we obviously help run a financial firm and we've got different advisors and financial advisors and team members that were coaching and he's heard me polite. He's heard me be polite around how I feel about marketing plans. But the point is, is you have to know what you're doing day to day and what activity you're doing to draw people into your practice period. End of story. Yeah, absolutely. And and the dollars need to go there until we get to the point where we've got 
a comfortable stream of folks coming in the door. We've got a consistent, repeatable paycheck that allows us to to live and and just get by. You know, after that, we need to then start shifting a little bit. We're not looking at taking dollars away from marketing. If if we stop marketing, we're in trouble, and that. It's true for naturopaths. That's true for you and I. It's true for most businesses. Well, once we've gotten to that, you know, kind of that first plateau, the next step is making sure, heaven forbid, we're not here for a little bit of time. You know, we get sick or hurt. We're, we're unable to be in the practice that we don't have to then shut down what we've worked so hard to start creating. Yeah. What Alex is getting at here is, as your income becomes consistent, that income, if that income shuts off, what's that going to do to yourself from an income, just a personal standpoint? And also what's that going to do to your practice? So you got to protect it. And so you have to, there's, you know, there's insurance products obviously out there that you can look at long-term disability insurance. Um, there's the malpractice insurance that you should be looking at. So there's different insurance products, uh, but it's also, uh, you know, the entity that you choose. Um, for the practice and we're not lawyers so we're, we're we can't speak into that uh, from an expert um, piece but that's a conversation to make sure you have with your lawyer so that you're protecting yourself from that aspect yeah I mean so much of it at this point is making sure that that you're protecting what you're building that you're protecting yourself you're protecting your own income but in addition to that you know, we're also protecting your patients if you go away what's the plan like we can't just leave all of our patients hanging. We also, you know, we need to make sure that if we get to the next step, which is hiring staff, hiring an assistant, hiring a front desk person, hiring a medical billing person, like, okay, if again, heaven forbid you go away, what happens to them? You know, how do we keep the practice up and running? How do we make sure that the, the patients get a chance to, to still have good care and things of that nature. And we're not even talking, this is where, uh, hopefully I don't get on a pedestal here, but this is where I think there's confusion. Like a lot of people might be thinking right now, Alex, that, you know, they're driving in the car to, to their practice and they might be thinking, yeah, obviously if something major happens to me and I get really sick and I can never work again, right? Uh, then I'm, I'm, I'm SOL anyways, because I can't go to work. There's that piece. And yes, we are talking about that. But there's the other piece of what if you can't work for three months or six months? Or what if you're just you can't work more than two or three days a week? Right. So we're not talking about the oh crap scenario where like the world is falling apart and you're never going to work again. We're talking about the scenario is what happens if you lose 25 percent of your income for whatever reason? We just don't know what's going to happen. So I just have you think about that. Oftentimes when I bring up insurance, everyone right away goes to like, oh, I'm dead. <laughs> not what we're talking about here. And it's not that. I'm talking about something as simple as missing a month, two months, three months. Yeah. I mean, how do we make sure that the bills get paid? How do we make sure that the patients still get taken care of? How do we make sure that the employees still get paychecks? Because you want to go back to work. Yeah. <laughs> so one, we have a sense of obligation to these people that are in our lives, these employees that have you know, that, that have committed to working with us and are, you know, struggling alongside of us to try and build this practice to our patients who have entrusted their health with us. Like these, these are groups of people that we can't just abandon, you know, and that that's, you know, we also need to make sure that we're taking care of, you know, ourselves and our family 
Um, I know a lot of, of naturopathic doctors that, I mean, that's one of the last things that they look to take care of because they all are so altruistic. And a lot of these types of structures that you're talking about in terms of insurance policies and whatnot, it's really trying to protect all of those stakeholders, not just be selfish and protect your own income. So the next piece to that we want to bring up is, and even Alex and I have gone through this, every business owner really goes through this when they're starting their businesses. At some point, you're doing work that you should, I was going to say could, but I'm just going to use the word should, pass on to someone else, meaning you're going to hire an assistant so that they can do the paperwork. They can do the, the I hate to use the word mundane, but mundane phone calls because that is not, and I'm going to use a word that Alex doesn't like because he was nervous about me saying this. It's not activity that is going to drive business into the clinic or it's not activity that has you using your expertise helping your patients. And what I mean by revenue, the activity around the revenue, the fact is if you're not making money and you shut down your practice, you didn't help many people, which is why you got into the industry. So you have to make money. I'm sorry, you have to, to have the practice stay alive and for you to help the amount of people that you wanna help. I'm not here to dictate what your practice should look like, but the doors have to be open for you to help them. And maybe it's over telecommunication, right? Maybe it's virtual. But the fact is you have to be making money to be able to do that. And at some point, you're spending time doing activities that you could hire someone, pennies on the dollar that that they could do and you go do what you're good at doing. Yeah, and for for those of us that are control freaks out there and there's, there's two of them on this podcast, the like the willingness of giving something up to somebody else even if we know intellectually that it makes sense to do and and that it's going to be better, you know, and give us more capacity to go out and help people and things of that nature it's still really hard and challenging to hand off this, some of these aspects. The, the mindset behind it is extremely difficult. Um, Alex will make fun of me probably because I might be the worst between the two of us. I am a control freak <laughs> in, that speci- you are. in specific areas. And it's very hard for me to give, to give that up because I think I can do a better job. They might mess it up. All of the above. And the fact is, is, slowly i still haven't gotten there all the way but i have learned i got to give some of that up because i am better in other areas and my job is essentially to help people with their finances but i got to have people to talk to and i got to keep driving that and that's what i'm good at so let's focus there and let's have someone else worry about paperwork yeah i mean we need to make sure that you know we're focusing on our highest best use for the greater good of the practice, all the patients, all of the the employees and, and the families, um, yourself and, and your family at home if you have one, and making sure that, you know, all of this has a higher goal, higher purpose in, in order. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it's going to take some hard decisions to make sure that we're handing off some of these things that we don't want to hand off, that we feel like we can do better. And it's still going to be better for everyone involved, even if it's not perfectly done, but it's done well enough to be able to accomplish the goals. And then we can go help more people. It's also a leap of faith in yourself 
because financially, as you're, you know, at this point, you're thinking about hiring an assistant. That means you're making some kind of money. And if you hire an assistant, that's money that you're not going to get because you now have to pay that assistant. So it's a big, another jump and of faith in yourself that you can make up that difference. And you have to analyze, hiring a professional to analyze your practice is huge in this to look at, okay, if you spent X amount more time in this area, what does that do to your revenue so that in turns you can help more people? And once you get that clear, then you can make that leap of faith or maybe you analyze it yourself. Right. Either way, there's the financial hit too that is hard to get over. Well, and again, it goes back to that initial piece that we were talking about of marketing. You know, if we don't have more people to see, well, then it's somewhat of a moot point because it doesn't matter if we free up, you know, your time to be able to see more patients if there aren't any more patients to see. Yep. So another another piece around building a practice, and you've heard us talk, you know, you've obviously heard us talk about protecting your income in, in prior podcasts. We're also going to talk about building an emergency reserve. Uh, having that cash reserve is huge because we don't know what's going to happen inside of the practice, both negative and and positive, right? There might be opportunities where if you don't have the cash reserve, you can't necessarily go after it. Yeah, it could be the opportunity of buying a commercial building, the, the place that you're in or another place. Or partnering in with another practice to, or, to build. Yeah, or it doesn't. Buy- you know, there's so many different things. Yeah. Buying into a practice, buying out a, a retiring other doc. I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of opportunities that we have there. And so having having that cash reserve, both on a personal level as well as on a professional level, is important. And it's important to be able to understand and distinguish the two because they're not the same. The, you know, having it on the practice level allows you to you know, feel more confident and more comfortable in going out and hiring more staff, uh, perhaps buying a building, partnering, buying into a firm, buying out another doc who's retiring. There's half a dozen different things you can do with it. It also acts as a shock absorber for, you know, if you have issues with the medical billing or, you know, if uh, the receivables wind up getting low or taking longer unexpectedly it allows for there to be a nice financial shock absorber. So one thing that I'm sure many uh, Indies are questioning is, you know, how much should I have in the emergency reserve for the practice versus personal? Because you and I both know uh, a graduating ND that's starting their practice, frankly, they're intermingling it, right? (laughs) The business account is also the personal account. Yeah. Oftentimes, especially at the beginning. And that's not a, it's not a bad thing. It's just real life. So as we're making more and more money, you should start to consider having two separate reserves, personal and in the business. Yeah, and starting to separate out where like personal credit cards and corporate credit cards, personal bank accounts, company bank accounts, even if they're still personal bank accounts, like having some that are labeled for the practice and eventually going out and getting commercial accounts. Um, and you're right. I mean, in an ideal world, we've got, you know, six to 12 months worth of either income expenses on the personal side for the practice. It varies so widely depending upon circumstance and situation, how consistent your income is, whether there are any capital projects coming up, 
like what you're actually trying to do with the, with even the, cash. the flow of the practice, maybe towards the end of the year, that's when a lot of the income's coming in, right? There, there's several pieces to that, but how about just start with having something? Yeah. Rather than having nothing. And even if it's just a couple thousand on the personal side and a couple thousand on the business side, it's better than zero and zero. Oh, for sure. And then that really brings us to, you know, kind of the, the end of the first couple of years and that the last major decision that we need to make sure that we make is deciding what type of practice we're creating. You know, it's, it's the proverbial fork in the road and, and whether we tried to start our practice from the ground up upon graduation or whether we join somebody else's practice, we need to figure out what's the, what's the plan long-term, where do we want to end up? And it's a hard conversation to really have, uh, you know, you might be having it with yourself or maybe with a, 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 a professional that that's helping you with your practice, because think about it. You went from day one, I just need to survive and make it this month right? to, oh, I made it this month. I need to make it the next three months to six months to 12 months. Then it's all of a sudden, holy crap, I'm actually getting consistent with money coming in the door. That's a good thing. Then it's this hopefully you pick up your head a little bit and say, okay, where am I building this thing? Now, sometimes it's more than a year or two years or three years or even five years. You haven't picked up your head because we get engulfed in our business. It's so easy to do, but it's so important to also pick your head up and say, what is it I'm building again? Well, and it's this concept of working on the practice, not just working in the practice. And what we mean by that is when you're working in the practice, you're the day-to-day seeing patients, helping folks out, you know, revenue creating, creating uh, activities and, and helping, helping people have better lives. Awesome. We need to do that. We also need to, like you said, pick your head up and work on our practice. And that could be anything from hiring staff to hiring other professionals, making sure that we're doing some analyzation on like, where's the practice at? What are we doing? How are we doing it? How do we get to the next level? What do we want the next level to be? It's putting your business owner hat on is really what it is, rather than being the employee, which frankly, like when you're first starting out, you're everyone. You're the janitor. You're the owner. You're the employee. You're the assistant. One day you get an assistant, so you lose that role. You know, golf clap for that, but you're still the janitor. And right when you can start maybe delegating some of those tasks, but you're ultimately the buck stops with you still. Exactly. So you have to put the business owner hat on to, to analyze where your practice is, what's going well, what's not going well, and where are you going, right? Are you going to be a single doc practice that maybe you sell possibly, or Maybe you just save enough money on the side and you just retire and the practice goes away. If that's, if that's what you want, great. Know that right now or know that sooner than later. Well, that will help with the direction that you want to go from a planning standpoint of how do you achieve your goals down the road. Then you've got, are you going to partner with another doc, right? Are you going to enter, maybe build a franchise type model? There are so many different things. Where are you going? And it's going to change, right? I'm not saying at the end of your first <laughs> year, you need to know exactly where you're going. But even picking up your head at the end of the first year and have an idea, because maybe you decide you want to go the enterprise or franchise model and you decide, never mind, that's not for me. I'd rather join up with another doctor and build something together. Right. Right. 
and that often happens actually. So, but you got to kind of take a look at the practice and look at what you want to build with that. And sooner than later is better than 20 years down the line when it might be not necessarily too late, but you would have made different decisions had you known. Hey, absolutely, Ryan. And it's so much of it's trying to figure out what you're trying to accomplish, how you're trying to go ahead and accomplish it. And, and we've we've said it a few times in previous podcasts, but you know, planning with the end in mind of, of okay, where do I want to get to? You know, is it a, a solo practice within a, a bigger firm? Is it a solo practice that's a standalone? Uh, am I bringing on partners? Am I looking at transitioning the practice to uh, somebody else, whether that's you know family, colleague, coworker, or, or are we looking at, at you know building or or selling to one of these bigger companies that's more of an enterprise practice whether it's a franchise or not so takeaways from today's podcast first and foremost uh, this is probably never going to end for a lot of you market you got to market and you got to keep the patients coming in the door obviously you got to keep them happy but with no patients coming in the door you're not helping anybody uh, number two, make sure you're protecting your practice. Make sure you're protecting your income so that it's still there and you can continue to help people. <laughs> There's a theme here, by the way. Uh, number three, hire an assistant so you can use the best talent you have to build the practice that you want. It may not just be an assistant. It's building staff in general. Right, right. Uh, building a reserve both for negative consequences and positive consequences. Like cash is king, always will be. If you don't have, have the cash, you can't, you, you can't do things. Yeah, having the ability to, to take advantage of opportunities that come along, minimize damage from issues that pop up. And number five, deciding what kind of practice you're creating. And uh, I would just say have at least a yearly day where you sit back and look at your practice and analyze what you've built what went well, what went right, or wrong. What are we going to continue? What are we going to stop? What are we going to do differently? And just have that annual, have it consistent. So again, for the purpose of revenue and, which is what you want to do, helping your patients. So we hope this podcast was valuable for you. Uh, if you have questions that you'd like for us to discuss on the podcast, please head over to our site on quantifiedfinancialpartners.com. It's actually quantifiedfinancial.com. I don't even know my own website. Quantifiedfinancial.com. Click on our podcast, and at the bottom of the podcast, there's an area where you can type in a question, and we will possibly talk about that question on the podcast. Hope you have a good rest of your day, and we'll talk to you next time. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 3585 Maple Street, number 140, Ventura, California, 909 399
1-800-227-8800. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Security, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2019-86149, expiration 09-2021.